Welcome to Honorverse Today, the Honor Harrington podcast brought to you by TPE Network. Let's be about it. Hello there, and welcome to Honorverse Today, the Honor Harrington podcast. And I'm saying the because, as far as I know, we are still the only Honor Harrington podcast available. This is your host, Raul Wybera, and I am joined by my two great friends, Jim Arrowwood and J.P. Harvey. How are you two gentlemen this day? Doing very well. Me too. Looking forward to this series. If you haven't yet, I would encourage you to listen to our introductory podcast. Uh, it will tell you a little bit about us and what we've done and who we are in the past. So we really don't want to waste too much time on ourselves on this first premiere episode of the podcast. Yeah, folks will get to know us as, uh, as they come along the uh-huh. ride with us, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've read this book we're going to talk about tonight several times now. This is the first time for both of you, I think, maybe the second time for one of you. And we're starting off with, of course, On Basilisk Station, the first of the Honor Harrington books. For those who might be curious who are old hands with Honor Harrington, we are going to be covering these books in publication order. So that's why we're not starting out with any of the prequel material, for example. This book might read a little differently than some other science fiction novels that you have read in the past. It was originally by intent to start of what was going to be an extended series. I just referenced the eight book plan. Uh, I don't think the five book really survived long enough to be a consideration. And the main series ended up being 13. So it's a very long series, and you know this book was written, maybe not with that full length, but at least that eight-book plan in mind. So expect a few oddities in there, and I'm sure we'll discuss some of it tonight. I think we're probably best off just to get dive straight in. So, Jim, if you're up to it, how about a summary? All right, I certainly am up to it. Ah, we have On Basilisk Station by David Weber, Honor Harrington, Book One. Having made an admiral look foolish, after succeeding in making a way-out idea work once, she's been exiled to Basilisk Station in disgrace and there set up for ruin by a superior who hates her. Her demoralized crew blames her for their ship's humiliating performance during fleet exercises and for their posting to an out-of-the-way picket station. The aborigines of the system's only habitable planet are smoking homicide-inducing hallucinogens. Parliament isn't sure it wants to keep the place. The major local industry is smuggling. The merchant cartels want her head. The star-conquering so-called Republic of Haven is up to something, and Honor Harrington has a single overage light cruiser with an armament that doesn't work to police the entire system. But the people out to get her have made one mistake. 
They've made her mad. Well, there it is. That is actually a I actually that that is actually a good script. That's from the rear cover, correct? Yes. Those are the liner. Yeah, that actually is a pretty darn good description of uh, what's in the book. Yeah, mm-hmm. don't make Honor Harrington mad. <laughs> the only thing I would disagree with is her armament works. She just doesn't have any. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's <laughs> they they gutted her stuff and took it away and put on. New stuff that she doesn't like. Uh-huh. And not near enough of it. <laughs> yeah. JP is usually our technical person, so he's the gentleman who can give us some background information on the show. So, JP, All take right. it away. Yeah, background on this one. Um, published in 1993 by Band Books. It was 458 pages or so. And it is, as you mentioned, Raul, the first book in a what became a long series of books with a bunch of um, side quills, prequels, that kind of thing, which uh, we'll get into at some point, but we're going to focus on this main series. Um, in an interview with David Weber in 2015, he said he originally thought the series would be five to eight books, which you also mentioned. Obviously, as you hear with other authors at times, even within a single novel, I think as he started writing, with eyes on five books, it became eight because the story takes a life of its own. Uh, it takes on a life of its own. Um, and then that has become, what, 13 or 14 books at this point. So pretty cool stuff. Uh, just for reference, but I'm not going to... My intent now isn't to try and do these comparisons all the time because uh, I'm, I'm still figuring the math out myself. But On Basilisk Station takes place from... 1900 to 1901 post-diaspora, or PD, as it shows up in the book. That was a millennium. The PD was a millennium spanning from 1 January 1901, according to one reference I read, to 31 December of 2000 PD. And to give us a frame of reference that we would understand, that would it looks like that would correspond with what we would call the 41st century on our calendar. So this is well into the future. Um, Mm -hmm. If that math is bad, forgive me, but it, at least it sets the stage for the technology uh, that we see, which uh, David Weber does a great, I think a great amount of work and a really great job of explaining what the technology is without having to get too nerdy about it. What he tells us is enough that I think we can all nod our head and go, yeah, that uh, okay, I get that. Um, so we are well into the future uh, of based on our, our calendar, our time timetable. Mm-hmm. And that's the uh, technical notes for this book. Yeah, you know, you, all, you, all, you mentioned something that I almost wish we had pulled a separate section out uh, for just for this show, and that was the technology. But I'm pretty sure the appropriate information will come up in the course of our discussion anyway so i think so and yeah there's enough just in this book there's enough technology and jargon about the technology that it would it would spawn in a whole nother lengthy discussion but um one of the things i like about this is that i think we're going to get more and more of it as the series unfolds and a lot of this stuff is going to be clarified to some extent Mm -hmm. some may not be but it's going to be neat to watch 
this world, this universe unfold as Weber paints the story, writes the story for us. Yeah. This book, by the way, as long as we're talking, I think it's this book. Uh, is it on the required reading, I think, at, uh, with the Naval Academy? I'm sure one of our easy. fans can double check that. I don't know if it's the Naval Academy or the OTS or what, but I, I do know this book is on the reading list. Yeah. Hey, and one other one other thing, Raul. I think you you mentioned it in our in our um, intro episode, but there are deliberate comparisons made between the story, the way that it's told, and Horatio Hornblower. Yep. And that becomes apparent right in this first book, and and I assume just smears wonderfully through through the rest of the, the story. Oh yeah. If you are a Hornblower fan, you're going to be real happy. I think I'm going to hold off to the last here, but uh, this is a great point to get into some of your overall impressions of the book. I'm going to go ahead and let Jim take the lead on this one. All right. I know, JP, I think you've read it twice now. Twice in a row, does that make sense? Okay. I read it, and then I I read another book, and then I came back and reread this one just to try and really drive home the beginning of this universe. I have not read the series. Right. And okay. Jim is a complete newbie on this. And I, I am anticipating, you know, th th there's a lot, of, there's a fair number of critiques a lot of first time readers have, especially of, you know, of the series itself, but in particular with this first book. So um, I'm going to be curious to see how much of your uh, impressions fall into that uh, range. <laughs> I haven't read your show notes yet. I, I, I make it a point never to read the other your guys' show notes. Okay. Well, uh, I went into this story not knowing at all what to expect. Um, I have been told that uh, Honor Harrington stories are like Horatio Hornblower in space, but I've never read those either, so it didn't really mean anything to me. I have been told by numerous people that they have really enjoyed this and they've recommended it to me. So... Uh, the unfortunate thing is I found the story really didn't get going until halfway through the book and was a little put off by all the info dump that occurred throughout the book. Now, JP just said a few minutes ago, uh, that, you know, he, he really liked those long winded descriptions of things, but it wasn't just weapons or equipment or anything like that. It was politics, it was interactions between officers and command and so forth and so on. I just, it was, it just got a little tedious for that. I felt there was a lot of information added that I didn't really need. I, I just think there was too much tell. I would have liked to have seen a lot more show than tell, okay? I was not impressed, I should say, at Honor's whininess. Uh, at the beginning when she took over this ship, you know, it was like, boo-hoo, uh, how do I make my officers like me in, in the earlier parts of the books? I was very relieved when this turned around with McKeon's confessional scene, which heralded a turnaround in the entire crew's attitude towards their commanding officer. Actually, that was very, very refreshing. Okay, so we've got this tree cat called Nimitz. <laughs> okay. 
Uh, what is a tree cat? Why is it there? Uh, it, uh, it didn't, it didn't do anything for me. So, all right. Other than Honor and her first officer, McKeon, there wasn't as much character development as I would have liked. There were so many characters. I lost track of who did what on the ship and who did what on the planet. And a lot of them seemed just like red shirts. All that being said, I like the story overall, and I am looking forward to the next book. And uh, I'm going to turn it over to JP before someone. Gets Let me angry add before me. he goes. Oh, okay. I think you hit a lot of the initial reader responses to it. It's like, yeah, all these, yeah, but what about? But I really like the story, and I'm I'm looking forward to the next book. Mm -hmm. So, yep. Okay. Take right. it, JP. Well, as mentioned, uh, I never read this before with the caveat that I read it twice, basically, back to back. Um, so this is this is going to be a new adventure for me as well. Uh, I started this series based on your encouragement, Raul, uh, while we were going through another series. And it uh, didn't take a whole lot of convincing. Uh, the other thing that intrigued me, and I think I mentioned this in the intro show, was I've been reading science fiction for, you know, basically as long as I could read. And somehow I missed this series. So this became a, I really need, I really need to read this. Um, for me, the meat of the book really came around chapter 20 or early into 21. And then Jim, that tracks with where you talked about, um, there was a kind of a watershed moment that spawned a needed conversation between honor harrington and her xo and and then after that everything changed um, so uh that that was uh that was a good moment i wasn't bothered by so much of the stage setting uh, initially everything before that i would have called stage setting but what was going through my head was if the author set out to write a five or eight book series, if he had that story arc in mind already, to have half the first novel essentially be stage setting, if that's fair to call it that, that would probably track, and I don't know, but it seems like that would be, that would track with the percent of a single novel that you might use to stage set for a story that's going to begin and end 400 pages later. So I, I just took it for what it was. I might have been a little put off if I didn't have the five to eight book thing in mind that he took that long to set the stage, but but it turned into an okay thing. He did develop Honor's character a lot, and uh, that, as I think we would expect, uh, he developed other characters like her XO to a great extent, and then Jim, I agree with you that there were a lot of other characters. I don't know how many of those people are going to be disposable in a good way or in an unfortunate way, um, but I'm just going to wait and see what happens. A little related to that, this kind of storytelling I think is sort of rare these days when almost everything, whether it's books or especially movies, are very fast-paced. They're action adventures. I think readers and viewers of TV and film are at a point now that they sort of demand that the action start right away and it just and you you finish the movie or the book later and you're out of breath and that makes you happy. This doesn't quite go that way, 
but I sort of expected that knowing that there were comparisons made to older pieces of literature like Horatio Hornblower. So that was also okay. I, th- I didn't go into this with a satisfy me now type type approach. I like the universe. I like that it comes from the perspective that there's civil control of the military. Uh, it's also interesting that Manticore is a monarchy, which provides a slightly different setting than the U.S. military um, and its relationship to a republic government, not not a monarchy. So that, there'll be some neat things for me just to note for myself in there, if, if not sharing with the uh, with you guys. I hope the small glimpses of the various political positions about things that are in play in the story, how those ultimately influence the military. I'll be interesting, interested to see how those play out in future novels. But I do hope that these books don't become blunt political commentary. I, it doesn't look like they will, but um, it's important that that's there. And I mentioned that actually as a theme uh, that we'll talk about later. Uh, as uh, for those who are listening and have studied military history or military thought. You may be familiar with Karl von Clausewitz. Uh, He was a Prussian general and a military theorist in the late 1700s into the early 1800s. And he famously said, war is the continuation of politics by other means. That is a very, very apt quote quote with uh, this theory, by the way. You're going to get that. if If you're listening and haven't read this book, you're going to get a faceful of it in a good way. Um, and I think that's awesome. You know, military stories quite often don't ever give what I think is a decent um, descriptor of the influence of politics on the use of force. And uh, without this turning into a class, you know, the author wasn't giving us a class. He, he has run right up to teaching, frankly, teaching people. It looks like uh, how that relationship is with its pros and its cons. So that excited me. Uh, One thing that caused me to scratch my head, Honor Harrington seems overly focused on her own appearance, her looks. Uh, I don't mean... There's reasons. How she looks in uniform, but like literally her face and her hair and her body. And I think, Jim, it sounds like you might have been seeing some of that too when it comes to her, how she's trying to manage herself in front of her crew. so, only knowing what I know, either the author spent too much time on this, or um, Honor may be a little bit shallow in this area, or insecure, in spite of the wisdom and patience that we see her show in the second half of the book. She is not immature overall, but she just seemed a lot focused on that. It'll be cool to see where that goes. Um, or... You know, maybe we're just seeing the development of a full character with strengths and weaknesses, confidences and insecurities, uh, because that would be real people. I mean, that's that's real life. Uh, so for now, I trust this serves a greater purpose as the as the series unfolds. I'll give David Weber the benefit of the doubt and assume he is initially wrestling with how to build and present this, you know, this full person, this this whole character called Honor Harrington to us as a new character not only at the beginning of a novel, but at the beginning of what is really a giant series in a significant universe. So that was a lot. I apologize, but I think a book that does a lot of stage setting warrants a lot of uh, discussion maybe about our thoughts about why that stuff's all there. Second half of the book, I didn't call out, but there's your action adventure. It starts. (laughs) Yeah. So 
Um, That's enough for me. What about you, Ralph? Well, first off, to, first of all, to address what you were just saying, there is a reason, and, and you, you really touched on it when you were talking about developing the character, uh, the weaknesses and insecurities. There, there's two. There, there's two aspects of it. Obviously, you know, it think British officer and their focus on appearance. You know, as a proper officer, but there's that. Mm-hmm heck of a lot more to it than that and it goes well beyond the attempted rape uh when she was in the naval academy when she was at sagamani island um good i kind of figured that was the case but we don't know that was part of it but there is still more behind it so yeah yeah, he there's there's a point there there is some of uh there is a bit of a point to that um okay i'm gonna reiterate uh, something that you had said david weber is here to tell a story he's not here to satisfy any sort of instant gratification so if you if you haven't read the series and you're listening to us if you're used to one and done stories uh quite frankly forget it this isn't your place or give it a try right give it a try Try, actually that's an even better suggestion give it a try because you might find it very different and refreshing from what you're used to Literally, the first third of this book is nothing more than character introduction. Very little character development beyond what uh, Jim and JP have already said. But even at this point, there were another eight books. You know, there were there were another seven books planned to begin with. Uh, and even in this first third of the book, you really are still missing a lot of significant characters. I mean, think about it. Who are the bad guys? Uh, we, we really don't know much of anything about the Havenites, or more commonly known, the Peeps. Uh, we, we know who's commanding that ship. We see a couple incidental characters come through, but we really don't have a, an antagonist, per se, outside of her own yeah, government. Right. Um, yeah. Related to that, you're not going to get answers to everything uh, here. Uh, yeah. It, it, it's like, going to leave. It's going to leave you at this point with a lot more questions than an, than answers. Jim's tree cat observation is probably one of the biggest examples of that. All we know is she's got this furry six legged cat that weighs what probably what what did they say in the book? Uh, was it twenty pounds, twenty kilos? It's big. It's heavy. It's got six legs, and it trots. You know, she she lugs it around with her. It's got a mental bond, a telepathic or empathic bond to her that makes it unable to be separated. That's all you know about him. Old honor Harrington fans will tell you, will tell you that there's a whole lot to treat cats. <laughs> and they end up being people out there really saying, important. just wait, just wait, just wait, just wait. And this is one of the things I, I've got to be careful about is I have read most of the books several times uh at one point every time a new book would come out i would do a new reread from scratch there are so many books i haven't done that for a while so that makes me really look forward to this because it's going to be interesting to see these characters again in the new light you know with that hindsight see how fresh they remain um Mm -hmm. and that one thing i will add uh jp it's a constitutional monarchy so it's a bit of a hybrid it's from in, the American yeah. system well, and the British system. Yeah, the UK, you know, England in particular. Mm-hmm. So, 
Yeah, it's not unfamiliar, but it'll just be neat to see how uh, Weber uses that. He picked that form of government for a reason. I'm I, I'm anxious to see what comes of that. And then and then as Jim pointed out the 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 so-called Republic of Haven, which in this book is setting itself up to not be well, thank you, at least as friendly France. for sure. But you know, good people can have differing opinions and desires but there's kind of a, a tone in this book mm-hmm. that they aren't necessarily um a, appear an honorable competitor they there's they may be something else so well th- it, thank it, early france fun. this is neat thank early france uh you know revolutionary france one of the early socialisms of the modern era and this is where i got it well if you're familiar with hornblower then yeah You've yeah. got you've got that with the with the Napoleonic era following it with more you know the the, the way it kind of flows so you you've got that with Haven and of course you've got the monarch you know French monarchy or not the French I mean the British monarchy which is kind of what we'll be we see there and you'll also see a few others I I think you'll see at least some aspects of Americanism presented. You, you'll definitely see the most powerful uh, government on the planet in its way represented. You know, back then it wasn't so much France as you know the Spanish Empire, uh, as right. far as just raw wealth. So, and, and you kind of yeah, saw that mentioned cool. with the Salarian neat. League. So yeah, it, it, I my, my first impression I'd have to go back to '95, and unfortunately I can't go that far back. It's the reread impression. It's like, oh yeah. It, it I, I can acknowledge all of Jim's uh, issues, but then sit there rubbing my hands in glee, knowing what's coming. <laughs> so it, it's less a it's less of looking forward to the next book than it is really anticipating it. Can't wait to get into it. <sighs> Let's talk about the characters then. Oh heavens! There is one criticism that david weber has has been leveled at him and it is valid the books can be rather character heavy meaning lots and lots of characters now the flip side of that is okay you're you're talking real world reality think of all the people you meet and interact with every day on your job if you're in the if you're in the military and you're serving on a ship with uh you know navy on a ship with uh 400 people on it, uh, 5,000 man uh, carrier, you know, lots of people doing lots of jobs there. It, it's not like Star Trek where you have those five officers on the bridge running the whole darn ship. Uh, yeah. he, 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 takes a, he, he takes a little more realistic approach to it from there. That said, I'm going to warn you, there's no such thing as a red shirt in the Hunter Harrington series. <laughs> Anyone... Anyone can die. In the original, in the original plan, Honor Harrington herself was going to die. I think I read that somewhere. Yeah, anyone can die, and even someone you think of as a minor character, several books down the road, down the line, becomes rather important, and that makes it really difficult for me. So <laughs> what I am going to do, I, I, I just and. Listeners are probably going to ask me, well, what about this character? What about that character? Because I didn't include someone 
that they think should have been included or that turns out to be important further down or whatever. These are the ones that I that I saw initially that I think needs to be mentioned. Uh, so I'm going to start it out. I'm going to toss out the character, let you get your guys' thoughts and throw a few thoughts of my own at the end. And there are so many, we really can't spend a whole lot of time on them, though. Uh, we, we can make trust a whole... Me, uh, trust me, I won't spend much time. We can make a whole show about, <laughs> we can make a whole show about just talking about the characters. The good thing is there's a lot of books to go... And as a result of all these characters, there's not a whole lot of development, at least not at this point. So Honor Harrington herself, mm -hmm. obviously, we have to talk about her main character. Jim, I'll start with you. All right. I like Honor, and I like her command philosophy, and JP mentioned that, that she's concerned about her looks. I don't attribute that to her character as much as the writer kind of wanting that everybody knows she's good looking and all this other stuff. I think, you know, what's really funny is, is to me is how she's underestimated by a lot of people. Uh, it seems like she's, she's pretty tough, but she, she does have a soft side. She can kick some butt and I'll tell you what, just don't piss her off. <laughs> You know, that was the line in the liner notes, too. Don't make her mad. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but then again, if I can extend that just a little bit, when it came to McKeon, she, I kept wondering, why doesn't she slap this guy down? I mean, fast and hard and put, but she let him figure it out. And, and then instead of her having to go to him, he came to her, which uh, shows a real, I, I think she's a great leader by letting her people find their own way. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, and it JP? came out that she wouldn't allow that to jeopardize the ship. Mm -hmm. Yep. But, but she was willing to be patient with uh, McKeon while he worked out his issues. Up until that issues. point. I thought it was, what's that? I said up until the, yeah. She was willing to let him work it out up yeah, until the yeah. point where it would jeopardize the ship. Right. And mm -hmm. and interesting that his character acknowledged that as he wrestled with his demons. That mm -hmm. he knew at some point one of them would leave the ship and it wouldn't be her. <laughs> so he knew he was on a clock. Um, she demonstrated a lot of patience. And you know, as we discussed the story, how that reconciles is really cool, I thought. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so Honor, uh, not a lot as a character to say about her other than I'm, um, I know there's a lot more that we'll learn about her. Um, series is, revolves around her. So I, I look forward to seeing how this character grows. Oh, I will say this. It, it, it didn't escape me that um, she is, um, th there was some more math in there. And I, I said, I'm, I'm not, I don't intend to do math. To read the story i want to enjoy the story but there was a quick mm -hmm. reference about her age um and i think it came up when they talked about her age relative to alistair mckeon's age and and then they i forget how whoever did it it was awesome but then so i thought man this, these people are all children and that's when he uh points out that in in our earth standard years she is in her 40s she's 40 mm-hmm 
Yeah. So um, she's not young. She's not old. But she's she's a she is an experienced officer and leader, and that kind of settled the dust on that. But um, he did point out at some point in there um, that she is like the second or third generation uh, of prolong family member yeah that is like basically had like aging treatment anti-aging treatment and Third apparently that works prolonged. really well yeah so she should live um, assuming she doesn't get killed by something else she should live around 300 years right. which is pretty pretty cool and i i that little nugget came and went and i thought well i have this feeling that's going to mean something a lot later you know the, the fact that this kind of technology exists but um yeah. So we're so, going to get some of that. It might be too late for yep. a couple of us or three of us on the show. Yeah. Oh, wait, that's all of us. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> so, yeah, Honor. Honor Harrington. Cool character. And she still looks like, out, you know, just out of her team, barely out of her team. Yeah. All right. Yep. Um, one of the things I liked about the character in particular or there's a, is I, I have long operated under the philosophy that Business leadership is based on relationship, and leadership is always personal. And she really exemplifies that. Uh, exactly how Jim said, and you, JP, uh, as far as working with the crew, how loyalty, earning the leadership, except, of course, when it came to duty, that was uncompromising. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to borrow yes. from one of the future titles. <laughs> In that respect, I, I was really able to relate with her. At the same time, she is definitely, you know, she, she is a flawed character. She's not perfect. She's had some real traumas. She's got some family issues that are also behind some of the insecurities with her appearance, for example. And of course, one of the late, one of the issues with Prolong is it often makes you sort of a late bloomer. So... The, the the tone of the book that she's ugly, unattractive, what whatever, it really kind of reflects her self image, um, and, and we'll see that grow and evolve and change as as we head along. It, it was cool, by the way, that she paints herself as a very average, kind if of that. boring, you know, person. Not a lot of spectacular, oh, a little bit too angular in the face, what have you. But you get other, and it wasn't a lot, but you get other characters who are commenting on their observations of her Striking, in that way. That the they word. strike her as, as attractive. She's a beautiful lady. So it'll be, again, it's one of those things. We get these nuggets out there. We're one book into a long mm -hmm. series. And I just think, and she's okay, basically wearing a buzz this. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Nimitz. You can't talk about Honor Harrington without talking about Nimitz. I don't care about the cat yet. <laughs> you know, I couldn't have put it better myself, JP. I, I, I was like, it's just in the way. Give it some tuna and tell it to go in the corner and shut up. It I don't think that was an any meaning. I don't think that was accidental. Um, okay. Someday, I would love to be able to ask David Weber if the intent on it was because he wanted to evolve the character of Nimitz as the stories went along or if it was he really hadn't quite worked out everything he needed in his head yeah. about tree cats yet. I, I don't know which one of those okay. two answers yeah. it is but it, it's got to be one of those two. 
Well, well, often when you have, and, and I don't know, maybe I'm not saying it right, when you have an animal familiar in, a, in, in something, oftentimes it's going to be a reflection of the main character's emotional state or what they're thinking or what they're feeling. And the problem was, for me, is that was explained right away what this tree cat is supposed to do and then it didn't do it it didn't do it the only thing the closest (laughs) you got to it is you know example from when when she had to meet with klaus uh hop uh from the hopman you know klaus hopman Mm -hmm. she made sure she left nimitz behind because it wasn't safe Mm -hmm. yeah right yep um so that's all i got (laughs) you don't there's, there's not a lot to be said about nimitz except there are some clear hints at this point that he is more than just a pet, but exactly okay. like you said, what to do, you know, yeah. what, what about him? And yeah, he, he, in a way he was, you know, and you, what you said also, Jim, what you said about, uh, he was in the way, give him, well, don't give him tuna, give him celery and oh, well, okay. get him out of the, you know, juicy mess, right? Yeah. Uh, the Navy kind of had that attitude, the same attitude that you do there. And it becomes part of the story as we continue along. So, yeah. Mm. Oh, Alistair McKeon. JP, I'm going to let you go run this one first. I hope we see a lot more of him. I, the, the, I'll say animosity. It's probably the best word that I can come up with between, between him and Harrington, uh, made sense. I've, I've seen people like him. I've known people like him. And um, he he's being set up, in my opinion, uh, to be an example of somebody that wrestles. This is probably many people in the, in the military, my, again, my own experience, um, that wrestle through their careers with what they want versus what the service needs. Uh, and that's balanced against their own skills, strengths, and weaknesses. And you know that wh- however that shows up with with McKeon, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, at one point it's kind of looks or age based judgments or assessments that he makes. Uh, other times he wants to believe he'd do a better job, but then he admits that he probably couldn't have done any better. Uh, you know, that's this is we're watching we're watching uh, a young young. Term, terms of grade, lieutenant commander. Uh, he's not a young man. He also is an accomplished officer, been around the block many times. But um, but he's still I, only really watching him commander fight with himself. Well, but I you know I wouldn't say only. That's a field grade. Yeah, well, true. You know, we're going to get into a diversion that probably doesn't matter. But you know, he is he is either a very senior company grade officer or he is a junior field grade officer, depending on which service you talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's not, he's not a young, just a tactician or technician anymore. He's expected to be thinking bigger, which is why he's an XO on a ship. He, in his own mind, is ready to be more than an XO on a ship. And he may be able to do that, but not this ship and not right now. And where I'm going with all that is we're watching a guy that I'll just call mid-career you know, without knowing what these guys' careers really look like in this universe, really wrestle with himself. And but that it's going to come out that warring that goes on inside of him is going to come out, courtesy of 
past commanders, current commanders, tactical situations, all that kind of stuff. So it, to me, that this guy is a really interesting character. I didn't like him at first because he was showing all the signs of things he ought to be getting over as a as a field grade officer or as a O4 if their rank structure is like ours. Harrington is an O5. She's she only outranks him by one, but he turns out that this this guy has got a lot of maturity in him as well, and we see that surface after they have their their much needed conversation in the briefing room after uh, Klaus Hauptmann departs the ship. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, by the way, my comments on Honor and Alistair, those are the most comments I'm going to have on any of these characters because the rest. I completely so they're expect they're going to stay. That. They're going to go, but I, they need to. He, David Weber, spent time really developing those two in my mind, and then he, to a lesser extent and a very a varying extent, developed all these other characters. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I'm just for the rest of these. Frankly, I'm going to wait and see what what happens um, as we roll through them. I'm not going to have a whole lot to say. But that's that's Alistair. Those are my thoughts on uh, Lieutenant Commander McKeon. Jim, rewind back to where JP started and and about McKeon and just replay it. <laughs> I mean, it was lockstep with exactly what I thought. I didn't like the guy at first. He seemed to be a malcontent. He was not going to cooperate no matter what. You know, he was just kind of there. And, you know, he got told to do something. It was like, okay, I'll go do that, you know, and then he'd do a halfway job about it, and then he and then he woke up and realized that he needed to step up his game a little bit, and he went to honor and sat down and faced her and laid it all out on the table, and she turned right back around and told him exactly what she thought, they shook hands, uh, Alistair turned into a, a good officer, and everything went forward. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what? I, I don't, I can't really Yeah, and he seriously stuck his neck out for a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, especially with Hauptmann. Which, <laughs> <laughs> um, in, incidentally, as I look through the list, he's about the only one I have anything else to say. Um. Okay, I was going to say, before I say any, anything about McKeon, I don't expect a whole lot about any of these other characters, except that uh, we will be seeing them again, and I just wanted them to be mentioned, uh, at least in passing. So, I, I, I well, seriously... Well, I think we should, because we're looking at a list, Yep. I think we should read those names off. Um, There's a couple of them that I am going to stop for comment, though. There are just a couple yeah. I will stop yeah. for comment. Um, yeah, and that's exactly kind of what I was thinking of doing. Uh, and one thing that's going to make it easy is for, where Alistair McKeon is concerned. The only thing I can say about him is you, you, you gentlemen understood exactly what the character is about and what he's supposed to be and where he's going. In some ways, he had more development mm-hmm. in this book than Honor did. Yeah, he, yeah. he had the most character growth for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, characters to mention, Samuel Webster, uh, someone we're definitely going to be seeing again, but his main, his main purpose was sort of a contrasting, uh, position. He he is the son of 
son or nephew, uh, related to uh, James Webster, the first space lord that uh, I'm going to talk about right. together with. Uh, he was the ne- he, nephew or second nephew, or yeah, there was some nephew. relationship yep. there that was mm-hmm. not son. It wasn't a direct uh, thing. Yep. Scotty Tremaine, otherwise known as Prescott Tremaine, but he prefers to go by Scotty. Uh, the guy on the pinnace, uh, hmm. r- running, helping to run interdiction, the monster she released. Uh, this will be another character for you guys to keep an eye on. And I'm not going to take this in sequence because you can't mention Scotty Tremaine, and this might be considered by some a pseudo spoiler. Uh, but Horace Harkness, P.O. Harkness, yeah, the one who taught Scotty how to find smugglers. Any th- th- those two were sort of in, in some ways those two were sort of the comic relief. Uh, th- they helped make Honor a millionaire off the prize money. Any thoughts on those yep. two? <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, Andres Vinizelos. I, I like the char- I like the characters. Uh, if there's more of them coming, that's awesome. Uh, there is definitely yes, there is definitely much more of them coming. And uh, one of the things I loved about Har- Harkness, he he's definitely a Navy PO. He he couldn't. He never met a Marine he didn't want to punch in the nose. <laughs> Andreas Venezelos, we will be seeing again, uh, so I'm going to leave it at that. She didn't actually show up, but boy was her presence felt. Uh, and I'm sure, JP, you probably know the type. Admiral Hempfill. Horrible Hempfill. Yeah. Yep. Any? Okay. Uh, nope. Um, nope. I think that's not one that... That character needs to show us more of herself. Here's a question for you, Raul. Is that yes. like Honor is Honor's first name for real? It's not a call sign. Yes. Is horrible that lady's name? No. No, I just okay. didn't have I just didn't have it off the top of my head. I couldn't remember even two passes through the book. Like, did they ever go back and call her by a proper name? So I thought, wouldn't that just be funny if it, her name is <laughs> not funny, poor lady, but <laughs> Yeah. Well uh yeah, Sonia Hempel. Yes. Sonia, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we will be seeing much more of her, and there will be some interesting compare and contrast much further down the road. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and th- and that's that's uh, you know she's living in that place where the politics and the military touch. Upper brass. And, yep. Uh, exactly. Yep. And she kind of re- represents that new school of thought of. Change and unfortunately, sometimes change for the sake of change, which plays the driving motive behind the story in a lot of ways. Klaus Hauptmann, Jim, you get this one first. All right, yeah, uh, overbearing, uh, upper crust kind of. I'm better than everybody else. How dare you tell me not to do what I've been doing? Kind of person, and uh, I found it curiously refreshing how honor slapped him down <laughs> that that was that was one of the high points in the book for me mm-hmm. so yeah not a nice guy does he come back yes or, or don't tell me I, okay yeah th- 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 it's not going to be a spoiler uh, yes oh, okay he, he comes back uh, all right so that's it jp any thoughts on uh Al- on uh klaus uh, uh, i'll just say one of one of two antagonist right I, that for me he you know he shows up and he's a problem and uh, another individual who sh- you know 
we're not we're not to his name yet. There's one other individual inside the military who shows up, and he's a problem. Um, and they're painted that way right up front. So I'm just going to assume that these are some these are the bad guys. <sighs> never, yeah, but never assume. Um, I I don't I won't consider it a spoiler if I say frenemies is a good word. Hey, that's the real world. It, yeah, real world. Um, Fritz Montoya definitely so, is worth a mention. This ship's surgeon. Uh, actually, he wasn't the ship's surgeon. He was the surgeon's mate, uh, also a doctor, but got promoted, sort of, in a way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, by getting rid of the <laughs> previous person. <laughs> yeah, send her down to the front lines. Yeah, ba- basically, that that tells you how ruthless. But it is he is important in one respect. It's Montoya's interaction with the ship's surgeon and Honor having to deal with that. We find out that her parents are both physicians and they're both very well-known, very significant physicians. You still don't know mm-hmm. very much. You still don't know how much yet. But yeah, it, 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 it does have uh, some play in the, in the story going on. Uh, Pavel Young, I think JP made a reference to him. Yeah, I didn't say his name, but that's the other bad guy, at yep. least for the moment. But you know, based on how he became a bad guy, I don't know how he would ever become a good guy. He he could do, you know, he could. I guess he could have a Lord Hightower's youngest child write his past. Yeah, but he's um, protected by nobility good, and privilege. Not a good dude. And uh, you know, when we did the setup for the show and. Talking about Jim, you mentioned honor being set up by a superior officer for failure. Mm-hmm. Essentially, this is that guy. This is who does it, and um, I I'm anxious to see more of him because I want to I, I want to sort this guy out. You will, uh, you know, and keep in mm-hmm. mind what led to that uh, attempt. You know, what led to that uh, situation was he basically tried to rape her in academy, yeah. and she beat him to with an inch of his life uh yeah. she's and an that's that's artist. the incident i'm referring to when i say maybe he can at some point deal with his conscience or get a conscience um that his unprofessional conduct and leaving with his ship that's you know that's just that's a different that's a different and smaller level trying to rape somebody especially somebody on your own team kind of th- i mean that i ugh, a disgusting person but um so his abandon I'm going to say abandoning his post, but doing it in a way that it's not abandoning his post. Of course he did. Yeah. I and mean, this is the kind of scum that he is. So we'll see. We'll see. Mm-hmm. What he you're, you're going to be very satisfied. You're going to be really <laughs> honked off before you're satisfied, but you're going to be really satisfied. Jim, do you have anything yeah. to add? From, oh, I'm sorry. JP, go ahead. All right. So we know from this book that there are, you know, people in high places that know who he is and that he's not what he ought to be. And, and they don't like him. So he's not out there unchecked, uh, but mm-hmm. that doesn't necessarily help honor uh, right away. Yep. So, yeah. Sorry. Anything to add, Jim? Uh, he's a pig. Pretty uh, much. For, yeah. And he he is one of those uh, aristocratic, aristocratic kids. Not a, Yeah. Part of the aristocracy, a, a kid who's gotten away with everything. His entire life, and now he's grown up and gets away with everything. Uh, his in the rest of his life, 
Okay. He's just a pig. So you guys have mentioned his good points. Uh, do does anyone want to bring up any of his bad points? <laughs> no, I think pig kind of mm-hmm. pretty much. Uh, it may be a, even an insult to the to the uh, species. Yep. Well, the the fearless has a tree cat on board, and his ship has him. Right. Yeah. You know, if we have a good critter on board the fearless, we got a nasty. Well, you said pig. You know, mm-hmm. he's got a nasty individual. Okay, Denver Somerville, any thoughts? And yes, how mm-hmm. did I pull that character out? So just keep an eye out. Uh, James Webster, Hamish Alexander. They're, they're worth mentioning. Uh, someone <laughs> A little upstairs, bit of comic relief. Yes, but also someone upstairs likes what Honor's doing yes. and is throwing a lot of their weight behind her, and it's these two gentlemen. Yeah. Oh. And... and, and you know, like I said, uh, people in high places that understand what Officer Young is up to, and they're they are enabling honor and checking him a little bit uh, at, at some risk, even at their level. Yep, even at their level. Yeah, they they delay him an extra two months. Yeah, and she has no idea that this is going on, and that that's one of the yeah. things. Aside from the roles that they're going to play in the future. It's worth it's worth noting. It's like the the main character has no idea that this is going on, or that she's getting this kind of attention from people at that high of a level in uh, in the military. Yeah. Well, both the military and the government. Uh, Rafe Cardones, Raphael is another person worth keeping an eye on. I'll I'll just say that and move on. Uh, James McGinnis. I wanted to bring him up because the idea of a ship steward. Anything yes. to anything to me. <laughs> well, that and the, obviously he's gonna. Do they actually still have ship stewards like that in the navy? Ooh, I mean, I it's basically know. a personal butler. I don't know. I yeah. was I was in the army. <laughs> and I we was didn't. In the Air Force. We didn't. We didn't have ship stewards in the army. So I I and suspect the, I've got bun- bunches of friends in the navy. I can find out. Um, flag officers, admirals, generals, people like that will have aides depending upon the position that they're in enlisted or officer aides. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think I, I'll confirm it that commanders especially on combat vessels will still have essentially an aide even though Harrington's a commander, right? I don't, the rank not her function. Um, so that's a that's that's not a senior officer. By today's definitions, she is mm-hmm. a ship's commander. Captain. She's a ship's captain at, yep, by function. Not, not the rank, but the function. She is a captain, um, and that position may very well, well, in the in the in the story anyway, it certainly warrants that kind of uh, basically an aide or a personal assistant. Mm-hmm. And I'll find le- out if if that's still a thing today. All right. Anybody listening could certainly chime in and go, "Oh yeah, that's a thing," or "It's not a thing." And the last character that I want to bring up was just a footnote at the in the beginning, Amos Parnell. I, I obviously you're not going to have you're going to look at me probably and go, who is he? You know, the guy who came up with this whole plan <laughs> for Basilisk Station to get to start off launch off hostilities, you know, to prepare for hostilities against Manticore. Definitely a name to keep an eye on. Uh, there are two other characters okay. I'm going to bring up. HMS Fearless, the ship. That's fair. Hmm? <laughs> yeah. What do you guys think of the ship, how it functions? 
And actually, I'll go ahead and uh, combine it with uh, the Peeps uh, PMSS uh, Sirius, uh, the, the ship she had the final uh, conflict with. The Fearless was uh, <laughs> was a handyman special. <laughs> <laughs> and and Honor made it work. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, back, back in the early days of aviation up through certainly up through world war ii a little bit past that um, pilots and crews would gain a great affinity to their aircraft and name them Mm -hmm. and talk about them and frankly talk to them as if they are a person yep Um, be defensive of the aircraft be angry at it sometimes and all that Um, that historically is is true Exponentially more true, I believe, with warships because they're bigger, they're more complex. They, but those crews, like like crews in an aircraft, depend on that vessel. Their lives are invested in it. Mm-hmm. So it's, I think it's totally fair to mention the fearless as a character. Yeah, and you know they they know they know the problems with the with with the ship, and the it wasn't just that. The gutting of it left them defenseless. I mean, it was described in terms of a rape of the ship. Uh, what they, what Hemphill did yes. to it. Yes. So yeah, yeah. That's why. That's why I included it there. And then the Sirius, uh, worth mentioning because it was a Q ship, which, if you're familiar with, uh, what what did it was it Queenstown, Ireland? Is it was that the name of the naval, of the navy yard, the, uh, the British naval yard? I think it, yeah, it was Queenstown. I believe I that's was, right. Yeah, which is where the name Q ship came from. World War II merchantmen decide, the, disguised as uh, fighting craft. So it's the whole idea of the Q or ship actually has hidden as hidden as uh, merchant vessels. hidden as merchantmen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. there's actually a historical connection to that. And while I may have taken For a lot of World time, War II history buffs, the, yep. if you didn't know about that, there's plenty of writing out there on the use of Q ships. That's yes. a real thing, like you're saying, Raoul. Mm-hmm. I feel bad running so long just going over characters on the one hand, but on the other hand, like I said, over a third of the book was just character introductions. But my voice is dying, so I'm going to pass this to Jim, and uh, let's talk about the story. All right, we'll see if we can get through this kind of quickly. All right, so after graduating from tactical school, Honor is given command of the Fearless, an older ship being refitted with unconventional weapons. The fleet engages in war games, and Fearless is initially successful in battle, but that success is short-lived as the fleet learns how to avoid Honor using the new weaponry. After suffering numerous defeats, the Fearless is assigned to Basilisk station uh the worst duty place in the galaxy her crew loses all faith in her and she finds herself in a battle to keep morale up comments i think that's a Nailed real it. good summary um okay yeah she she basically that, that all... she basically embarrassed admiral Hempel. yeah and and uh, it showed um you know our listeners who are uh, history oriented maybe can provide us some examples if they think of any, but they're out there. This is a great example of a person coming up with a bright idea that could have been amazing or not amazing. 
The book well, sets it during, up. That uh, what's that? During World War Two, uh, was it the Battle of Midway? Race Bruins was a uh, was a cruiser captain who got put on an aircraft carrier and just absolutely did a great job doing what he was doing. Right. So that yeah. you know, there there's historical precedents. Yeah, and now the idea, this idea came from the top down, uh, based on this is me, my reading of the book. Somebody who is not tactically savvy, who is looking for a way to to surprise or trick um, the enemy. I, that's in quotes because these are fleet exercises with a capability that they don't expect, and and that works once, once, uh, but. Like in the real world, and I think David Weber captured this very well, once you know what your opponent is doing, when you see a new thing, a new capability, it becomes paramount to figure out how to defeat it. And that's exactly what happened. And that then embarrassed the source of the major changes to the ship, the new weapons. Um, I I will say this, uh, that doesn't mean that that weapon is a bad idea. It's new. Try it out. But you have to be willing to, to accept that it's not going to work at times. It's going to work great at times. You want to adjust the friendly tactics just like the enemy. And the enemy, in this case, is the mm-hmm. other part of the fleet, is going to adjust to accommodate the surprise of this new weapon. Um, it doesn't look like she had that chance. So it worked once. Everybody's crazy excited. And then the rest of the fleet goes, oh, now that we saw that, we're not letting that happen again. In fact, we're yeah. going to pay and you back for embarrassing after defeat, us. And then they bench honor in the ship uh, with the crew uh, off the basilisk. So uh, mm. too bad. But again, I, you know, that's, that's not far fetched. Mm-hmm. It does a great job of setting up what comes next. You know, the mm. action adventure part of the story. Okay. Next up is honor's disappointment is deepened when she arrives at, arrives at basilisk to find an old adversary from her academy days on station, Lord Young. Upon Fearless's arrival, Young takes his ship back to Manticore for a desperately needed refit, and that's in quotes. Uh, Things in the Basilisk system are not going well, and Young leaves Honor to take the fall for his failures to maintain order. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he leaves with a much bigger and more capable ship. Basically, he deserted his post. It's just yeah. done in a way that he could get away with it. Yeah. Yep. He found a he found a, a little uh, what are you going to call it a, um, a flaw, whatever. He found a way to wiggle wiggle out. He found a crack in the yeah in the rules, and he yeah. exploited it. There you uh, go. To benefit himself and to harm, it appears to harm honor. Yeah. Yeah. Well, honor uses the scant resources at hand. Uh, to start to turn the situation around and manages to get her crew to follow her. The powers that be in the system are delighted that they finally have a competent officer in the area and come together to confront the illegal situations. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, moving along. Uh, the biggest problem in the system is smuggling. Being who she is, Honor begins to enforce the law, getting the attention of the illegal element operating in and around Basilisk. She gets the attention of Klaus Hauptmann, a crime lord in the system, and he becomes her enemy. In a confrontation with Hauptmann, uh, First Officer McKeon joins Honor in exposing him 
and the two finally begin to connect. Okay, I do have to correct one thing there. He is not, a, when, when they're talking about the cartels in the series, I, it's not a criminal cartel. It's not a criminal art organization. He, it's actually a legit business shipping magnate, and he is uh, one of the, if not the richest men in the entire galaxy. Okay. Uh, just, just an FYI, I know it comes, I know the way it's written and kind of presents comes off the, the other, but, mm-hmm. um, there, there's well, cartel, cartel common use you know, in yeah. these days and times is you think drugs, you think things you think like that. Exactly. It's a negative term, but mm-hmm. it's not, it's, it's proper to say that he heads a cartel Yeah, think... in, in a business sense, not in a, in a, the irony is he is a criminal. <laughs> yeah, that's that's why, or at that's least why by I association, call I call a spade a spade. The guy's a crook. All right, that I'll agree with. <laughs> okay, uh, the People's Republic of Haven sees an opportunity to swoop in and take the planet Medusa over in an attempt to invade Manticore and better their economic position in the kingdom. Honor's attention to duty allows her to uncover the plot, and in a final running battle with the Haven ship Sirius, Fearless is nearly becomes derelict as she is outmatched by her opponent. In one final desperate move, Honor lures Sirius in for a final attempt at survival. When the Sirius is in range, Honor uses the new secret weapon to destroy her enemy. Uh, the cost in lives, defending Medusa's high, and much of her crew is killed. Okay, the, 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 this section, j- just to comment, the stuff that we you had just finished on, her time at Medusa, basically being a good officer, that's the middle part of the book. That's where a lot of the story development takes place. This last part, the climax, that's a full third of the, close to another. It third. is. Yeah, a third of the book. Yes, it is epic. Epic battle. Okay. Uh, any other comments on that? Um, oh, gosh. I, I will have, it gives you a good feel for Honor's ability. You know, we, we hear her described as a tactical genius early. Mm-hmm. We see that in play here. Yeah, I was on the edge of it. my seat. Yeah. Oh, think about this. You're talking about, what, a hundred and something minutes for her to catch up, to get into range, to even fire long shots? Yeah. You're, you're talking about minutes for volleys to make a cross? Yeah. And it still leaves you on the edge of your seat with that kind of a time yeah. frame. Yeah, it was absolutely, uh, oh, geez. It was, a, it was probably, I would have to say, one of the top five battle scenes I have read in literature, it was Ever. just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, finally, for her efforts, Honor returns home to a hero's welcome and is promoted from commander to full captain and given command of a new heavy cruiser, also called the Fearless. McKeon is also promoted and given a command assignment. He and Honor depart as friends. Honor is approached to give an evaluation of the secret <laughs> weapon, and she is very eager to tell how flawed the concept actually is. I think you're being polite there. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, so, Fearless is added to the list of ships because of her action. There will always be a ship in the fleet named Fearless. 
Okay. Well, good. So that is the that is kind of an outline of the of the story. Uh, JP, you have That's some themes. Well, thank you. Yeah. Um, we've we've touched on these. I'll just throw them out there, and then we'll see how they endure through the the books as they as we read them. Um, the civilian military relationship is a big theme in here. Uh, civilian control of the military, political influence on the military. That's a real thing. Although military, professional militaries, at least in the West, I'm using that term in a modern sense, uh, are are essentially apolitical. It's one of the traits of a professional military that's subservient. At least they were. To civil authority, right? You obey lawful orders. Mm-hmm. You're not wed to personalities, that kind of thing. Um, right. Duty, duty and honor and integrity are big themes through here. Um, and what they're anchored to. There are several times in here where honor explains to different people, including Klaus Hauptmann, that she doesn't, there's no compulsion for her to do or not do something based on what other people have done. She's wed to her duty and to her responsibility as an officer of the crown or as a commander mm-hmm. of the ship, a cap, a ship's captain. Um, so that, that's a, you know, that, when I say duty and honor and integrity, those kinds of things, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, commander's relationship with subordinates, that's a developing and significant theme in here. And then command responsibilities and authorities, and you really see that come out in the battle. You know, as you mentioned, Jim, a lot of people mm-hmm. die in the mm-hmm. execution of the duties of the ship, which are, it. that's on her to to execute those responsibilities, the ship's responsibilities um, as a commander. And so those authorities, those responsibilities, um, that man Weber came right, right out of the chute, mm-hmm. driving a lot of those points home. So those are the themes yep. that I saw. And if you guys saw any others that you want to throw in there? I mm-hmm. think you understand uh, David Weber very well, JP. And the one thing that I would add, you know, it's like, you know, w- with the idea of the responsibilities and authorities, yeah. she knew the ship she was going up against and she knew what she was yep. going up against it with. It, it, it was a hopeless, it, it was really a largely hopeless uh, situation. And it was her duty that drove her and carried her through. And it was that loyalty, it, it was that loyalty she had developed with her officers that let them follow her into that hell um, as well. So, yeah, you yeah. you understand exactly wh- who David Weber is and where he's coming from then. Yeah. yeah. And that, as a, as a military reader, that this stuff, that theme in particular, excites me. Weber does a good job. Right, at, right out of, on book one. I can't wait to see how he... Um, this guy is an educator. He appears to be. He's going to teach people who may have never been in the military or may not even know anybody in the military. It looks like he's on a path to very accurately explain what that kind of life and those responsibilities are, especially for somebody like Honor who's in leadership. Anything to add, Jim? Uh, No. Okay. Um, In that case, okay. Favorite points of the plots. Uh, And I know a big part of the plot quote unquote was character development again, but Jim, 
Favorite plot. All points. right. Okay. The battle scenes were amazing, especially the pursuit of the serious by honor on the fearless. Well, I knew how it would end with Honor winning the day, of course, you know, that it, it is her series. Uh, there were several points that I really wasn't that sure, you know. Uh, it was also interesting that the day was won by the heavy, the, the very weapon she wasn't all that impressed with at the beginning of the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. JP, how about you? I got a couple. Uh, first is when Honor and McKeon sit down with and then address Mr. Houtman as he visits on board the Fearless to make threats. Uh, This is when we first see the reality of Honor's character as well as what she's really capable of in terms of her perspectives on on Honor, lowercase h, (laughs) not her perspectives on herself, on her duty, on authority, and integrity. And I mentioned, you know, those in the themes. I have to assume that Honor's name is uh, an atronym, which is why I asked about horrible. Is that her name? Because we have a character <laughs> called Honor, and she is showing us that she's aptly named, right? So I, I love that. I, I say that in a good way. I think it's cool that Weber named her Honor. Uh, didn't have to be that was her name, but he's driving a point home, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, now, uh, we had hints of it before, um, as did McKeon, but now we, we really do know how she's wired. Now there's a confrontation. McKean at one point makes the comment when they have their heart to heart that he thought all that was, you know, academy drivel or use some sort of a phrase like that. Um, but now he sees that it's more than just textbook statements or the, you know, well, when you're an officer and you're in command, do you, you know, you should say these things and this is how it goes. We're seeing that that's not honor. She says and does things because it's her. It's what she is. Yes. And, um, and that is to a great extent what, McKeon admits brings him around and gets him out of his out of his funk. Mm-hmm. I've known officers like Honor um, and Alistair both. I think I mentioned uh, that earlier about about him about McKeon, but I've never really seen the humanity uh, these kinds of relationships bring with them described in a book the way that Weber does it here. So it, it's just it really excited me to. Watch him unpack the, that relationship and why it was tense, and then how that resolved. Because that's, I think, what any pair of officers in that situation would really hope for in the end that they come to an understanding. Um, Alistair's admission that he wouldn't have done any better than Honor was, I thought, was fantastic. That was outstanding. That was the watershed moment in the relationship. Uh, so the second, so that was the first long-winded of my two favorites. Um, the second was that big battle that Fearless has with the fleeing Q-ship. And that's where we see... So if the, the thing with McKeon is a personal, we see Honor and what she's made of on a personal level. Professional, but a personal level. When we watch this exchange, this battle occur with the Q-ship, we see Honor's character and how it's applied to her duty with a warship that she's commanding and all of the lives and all of the limits and the strengths of that ship. Um, and it results in a lot of injury and a, and a loss of life for many in her crew. There are many things this reminds me of as I reflect on um, what my department taught at the Air Force Academy when I taught there. And we've got these young cadets who have 
typically zero experience. They may come from a military family or very few of them might have done some small amount of enlisted time. But for the most part, this is the beginning for these these cadets. And this was the kind of stuff across years that we try to teach those cadets about officership uh, or that command isn't just a different word for management or leadership, um, although officers and commanders do lead and manage. There is a phrase, now that I, I don't want to beat up the word management, it's not a dirty word, but uh, there is a phrase we used to, to use with the cadets to drive some points home that as commissioned officers and eventually as, as military commanders, they are managers and instruments of violence. And we watch honor be that. You know, one of the responsibilities of a military commander is to be willing and able to spend the lives of their troops. We watch honor do that. You know, when it's appropriate, not not wastefully. And carry the weight of those decisions. Yeah, that's, you know, that's a, there is not an equivalent outside of the military. There are some things that come close, but uh, the legal authority and the responsibility of a commander to, when, when it comes to doing the job, which is combat, um, is, is, um, is incredible. And we get to watch a really good picture of what that ought to look like or what you always hope it would look like. Mm-hmm. So there's uh, there's a lot more about those things that I, I trust will come out as the series unfolds, and then we'll talk about it. But you're gonna love it when we start dealing with Saginami Island. All right, I'm ready. That's the that's so the Naval you, Academy. All right, I guess it's my turn now. Yes, let's hear from the guy who's been through more of the series than us. Well, for me, one of the one of the favorites is something that neither of you two are going to be in a position to say at this point because it it, it only does it with the retrospect. Anything to do with Nimitz. If you're not in love with tree cats yet, I promise you will be. Um, I do like celery, so I guess there's an opening for a fondness yeah. coming. It's not so much of a plot point, but in a way, it kind of can. This is the only place to really fall it in, and that's the rational basis and the development, the plot development of the physics. Everything from the impeller drive with the gravity, you know, with the bands of gravity, yeah, the gravels, to, yeah. to uh, how he deals with hyperspace and bands of hyperspace. It's a, it, it, I mean, yeah, it's still science fiction science, but it's not the level of gobbledygook. Uh, just made up techno speed. He actually has some rational basis behind it, and you don't see that in a lot of popular science fiction. It's too much of what we call science fiction is actually more fantasy than science fiction. Yeah. Yes, and I, I, it's going to be copycatting you two guys, but the showdown with Hopman, uh, all I can say is that was satisfying on so many levels. Everything from honor being validated for her actions to seeing the true strength of her character. And, uh, and yeah, that threat at the end was very real to the very, very satisfying resolution with uh, Lieutenant Commander McKeon. I mean, it was th- there was a sense of completeness there with, with that whole all of the self-doubt and stuff got put on the shelf there it, it, we're still going to have to deal with parts of it of course over time that's just part of maturing but honor mckeon the whole ship itself that was the turning point for them so yeah you you had to you had to pick that out as the plot point and the again the final battle 
both on ground and space. Yeah, I, I will agree with uh, both of you. It's one of the best written combat scenes in science fiction. Uh, you know, that last fourth of the book, third of the book, you can't put it down. It's a one it's a once through read. When you start it, you don't stop. And like I said earlier, you, you didn't you never knew that a battle that is measured in the kind of time frames, hours and minutes rather than rapid shots could be so gripping. Yeah. For your information, this is a series hallmark in the Honor Harrington series is how David Weber can write and pace a battle in space. And from that, let's go ahead and look at some quotes. Jim, turn it over to you. All right. Who'd like to go first? I vote for Jim. Me? Okay. <laughs> yeah. So we've talked about this uh, conversation between Hauptman and Honor aboard the Fearless, and so I, I'm going to quote just a little bit of that. There's way more to it than what I have here, but this this seemed to be uh, demonstrating Honor's strength of character. I'd advise you to watch your wild allegations, Commander. I've stated only facts, not wild allegations, Mr. Hauptman, she said unflinchingly. If you prefer not to hear them, then I suggest you leave. Leave? Leave? Hauptman was fully on his feet now, bracing his weight on the table as his voice filled the briefing room like thunder. I came here to give you a chance to correct your gross mishandling of the situation. If you prefer, I can take it up with the Admiralty or the government. Instead of dealing with a jumped-up, overinflated commander who insults me to my face by accusing me of illegal activities. That is, of course, your opinion, Honor felt McKeon's coiled spring tension beside her. But her own anxiety was fading, licked away by the steady rising lava of her own anger. In the meantime, however, you are a guest in my ship, Mr. Hauptman, and you will keep a civil tongue in your head, or I will have you ejected from it. <laughs> so, there, there's that. It's just a matter of fact. Okay. I guess, JP, you go ahead next. Okay. Um, I have more from that same uh, fantastic meeting between these two people. Very so cool. So this, this is Hauptman and, and uh, Honor again. Very well, Commander Harrington, he said at last. I've come, I'll come straight to the point. For reasons of your own, you've seen fit to harass my interests in Basilisk. I want it stopped. I'm sorry you see it as harassment, Mr. Hauptman, Honor said calmly. Unfortunately, my oath to the Crown requires me to execute and enforce the regulations established by Parliament. Your, uh, and then this is Hauptman, your oath doesn't require you to single out the Hauptman cartel for your enforcement, Commander. Hauptman didn't raise his voice, but there was a vicious snap under its smooth surface. Mr. Hauptman, Honor faced him, levelly, folding her hands tightly under the edge of the table. We have inspected all commerce with the surface of Medusa or the Basilisk Orbital Warehouses, not simply that consigned here by your firm. Nonsense, Hauptman snorted. No other senior officer on this station has ever interfered so blatantly with Basilisk's legitimate merchant traffic. More to the point, I have numerous reports from my factors here 
to the effect that your customs parties spend far more time examining my shipments than anyone else's. If that's not harassment, I would very much like to know what you feel does constitute harassment. Commander, what may or may not have been done by previous senior officers has no bearing on my responsibilities or duties, Mr. Hauptman, Honor said with cool precision. And if, in fact, my inspection parties have spent more time on Hauptman cartel shipments, that is entirely because our own experience has indicated that they are more likely than most to contain illegal items. Houtman's face darkened dangerously, but she made herself gaze back without any sign of her own intertention. Are you accusing me of smuggling, Commander Harrington? The baritone was deeper and darker, almost silky. I am saying, Mr. Houtman, that the record demonstrates that the incidence of contraband in shipments registered to your firm is 35% above that of any other firm trading with Medusa. Whether you are personally involved in those illegal activities or not, I cannot, of course, say. For myself, I doubt it. Until such time, however, as we have satisfied ourselves that no contraband is passing under cover of Houtman Cartel Manifest, my boarding officers will, at my orders, devote special attention to your shipments. That's Honor Harrington. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. This is Honor Harrington. <laughs> Funnily enough. Here we go. Yep. Here fun we go. Funnily enough, Jim got the beginning of the conversation. You took the middle. And you guys haven't seen my quote because I, I, I keep my notes on my uh, in the Kindle and on my iPad. So Honor's taking uh, Hopman back to his awaiting transport. Oh, They're yeah. in the elevator. Uh, and this is Honor. I am fully aware that you have no intention of forgetting this incident. Neither, I assure you, have I, nor will I forget your threats. I am a Queen's officer. As such, I will react to any personal attack upon me only if and as it arises. And as for myself, both personally and as a Queen's officer, I dislike the custom of dueling. But, Mr. Hopman, should you ever attempt to carry through your threat against my parents. Her eyes were leveled missile batteries, and the tick at the corner of her mouth jerked like a living thing. I will denounce you publicly for your contemptible actions and demand satisfaction. And when you accept my challenge, Mr. Hopman, I will kill you like the scum you are. Hopman stepped back against the wall of the lift, staring at her in shocked disbelief. Believe it, Mr. Hopman, she said very, very softly and let the lift doors open at last. <laughs> now, I do have a second quote that this is when Honor's having to figure out how to handle two ships at once with one vastly underpowered ship. So she plots a maneuver, you notice inertia applies here, where her wedge comes dangerously close to the Haven courier ship. <laughs> and the captain of that ship vessel calls her. Captain Harrington, I protest your reckless, illegal ship handling, the youngster shouted. You almost destroyed my ship. Our entire after... I'm sorry. I'm very sorry, Captain, Honor interrupted in her most soothing tone. I'm afraid I wasn't watching where I was going. Weren't... Watch what... The Haven Knight Lieutenant strangled his exclamation and gritted his teeth. 
I demand you heave to and assist my command in dealing with the damage you've inflicted, he snarled instead. I regret that's impossible, Captain, Honor said. Under the interstellar convention of, the lieutenant began again, but she cut him off with a pleasant smile. I realize I'm technically in the wrong about this, Captain, she said in the same soothing tone, but I am sure Her Majesty's resident commissioner will be able to provide any assistance you may require. In the meantime, we're a little too busy to stop. Goodbye, Captain. (laughs) (laughs) There's just something about that. It's another side of honor. Yeah. So, yeah, those are my quotes. Oh, well, Jim, this has gone quite a while. You want to take it for any closing thoughts? Well, we're we're almost done here. And, uh, okay, I'll start if, if you wish. My takeaway from this story is underestimate honor at your own peril. And uh, closing thoughts, I'd stated before, I wish there had been more show than tell in the story, less info dump and more character development. Uh, On the positive side, I really wanted to love this book given all the great things I've heard about the honorverse. But all I can really manage is a very strong like and hope the continuing series is something I can embrace with the passion other fans have. And for listeners, strong like from Jim is actually high praise. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. How about you, JP? Well, I'm basically hooked. I want to see where Honor, the character, takes us next. Um, knowing there's a lengthy series to follow, I think David Weber did a great job of not only introducing us to Honor Harrington, but presenting a multidimensional person uh, to us. So whether you love her, or you hate her, or you're undecided. You know, he he has presented us a a, a pretty robust character. Uh, we pretty much know who she is, uh, and uh, like I said I'm I'm anxious to see how this adventure moves forward. All right. Okay. What about you, Raul? For for me, the takeaway is a little bit different. Having read everything except uh, some of the prequels and a few of the, some of the short stories. All right. It's amazing to see so many of the beloved characters again back in their early days. And granting uh, Jim's granting Jim's point there, it's also clear that this is a book with a plan. Uh, it's the first of what's going to be an eight book long series. And my personal preference in, uh, books are, I, I, I like longer story arcs. I'm not a short story fan. I, I, I tend to gravitate toward longer story arcs and that shows in this book. And the, what you see here actually can, and will eventually, of course, go into a saga that is part of a much larger story. It's a long time since I have done a full read through from Basilisk Station to Uncompromising Honor. So I I am really looking forward to this read through and I don't think I'm going to be content to wait on the pace of the, you know, the pacing of a show. Uh, It's going to be hard not to read too far ahead because if I do that, then I'm going to have to go back and reread pieces (laughs) again. (laughs) So, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the reread, and I, I'm really looking forward to a full reread, rerun of the entire series. Oh, good. Okay, well, that said. I think we should probably uh, 
do the hard part now. The ratings, and folks, we do a one to five scale when we rate books. Um, Jim, on the one to All five right. scale, what would you give this one? What, okay, what corresponds on... to a strong like. <laughs> yep, exactly. Okay, uh, I'm giving this a three point five out of five, um, just because that's that's just where it kind of sits, right above the middle line. Okay, well that and that leaves a lot of room for for improving. Now, if you look on Goodreads or Amazon, you'll see that I gave it four stars because you can't put a half a star. So I'm leaning towards four. 3.5, but leaning towards four. So uh, what about you, JP? I'm going to give it a four out of five. All right. I, I don't know what else to add to that. Mm -hmm. It's a first book in a series, my first contact with David Weber. Um, I'm happy with this book. Okay. What about you, Raul? Well, if you really, if you looked at the entire body of Honorverse books, just the just the primary story arc, which would be the Honor Harrington books and the two, the Saganami Island and the Crown of Slaves series. You're you're looking at fourteen plus six. You're you're looking at about twenty. No, fourteen plus eight. You're looking at twenty two books. A lot of novels, mm -hmm. standalone novels, are twenty two, twenty three, twenty four chapters long. This book is the opening chapter of that huge body of literature. And just like a t good television series, uh, Babylon 5, for example, season one, especially the first two-thirds of season one, was kind of weak because the author's getting his feet under him, there's character introduction, there's not a lot of room for development, and you know it, things are still getting worked out. In spite of that, um, I think it was an outstanding book, um, and I'm going to join JP giving it a four. Just the, 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 that final battle at the end takes a slow development and really gives you a payoff, and it leaves you looking for more and ready for more. And without giving spoilers away, you're going to get that. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, our ratings total to an overall rating of 3.83. Goodreads reports 4.13 with 44,197 ratings. <laughs> okay. Um, it's a few. And, yeah, it is quite a few. Amazon shows a 4.5 with uh, 3,285 ratings. All right. So, we're, we're a little, off of that. We're, below no, it, no, we're a little, we're a little under. Um, but then again, you know, it's understandable. And like, so I, anyway, like I said, I, I'm colored by what I know is coming as well. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, and yeah, you, you, uh, you definitely, <laughs> you have to temper yourself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's, which can be hard to do anyway for next time. We mm -hmm. will be reading The Honor of the Queen, Honor Harrington, book number two by David Weber. And uh, I don't have a clue what to expect. I can't give anything on it, and I'm not <laughs> even going to try. 
Um, I'm just going to leave it as we're going to see the story continue to develop with, with what we what, what we've said here. Uh, there will be more characters introduced, obviously, but the growth and development that you started with is going to continue. Good, good. So with that, I guess it's time to sign off. Yeah, I. Th- this was definitely a longer show, but I, I know some of the most of the other books are actually longer than this. But there's just so much introduction in here. It, it, it was I knew this was going to be a longer. A, a, a lot of ex, a lot of exposition, yeah, yep, yep. But I had a blast. It, it was a lot of fun. All right, so I guess it's time to say good night. Yep. Good night, folks. Good night, everyone. Say good night, JP. Good night, JP. Uh, and there it is. Thank you for listening to Honorverse today. We welcome your feedback. Email us at honorverse at tpenetwork.com. We are a proud part of TPE Network. Visit us on the web at honorverse.net, on social media, or tpenetwork.com. You can subscribe to Honorverse today by visiting tpenetwork.com slash subscribe. Visit TPE Network for the very best in podcasting. Opinions expressed in the show are solely those of the hosts. They do not reflect the opinions or views of Bain Books, the authors, or TPE Network. Visit Bain.com for the best in science fiction. Many of their books are available from the Bain Free Library found at their site. Theme music is Honor and Sword by Zakar Valaha. Check his website found in the show notes for all your podcasting music needs. <laughs>